We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. TickPick should be your first choice to buy basketball tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees, ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Laker Film Room Podcast and Blue Wire Network. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And guys, last week, the Lakers were down 93 to 84 against Indiana on the last game of their road trip when THT came in for Dwight Howard in the fourth quarter, effectively moving LeBron to the five position. And on the next three plays, we get a three from Malik Monk off of a ghost screen, a three for Wayne Ellington off of a ghost screen, and then a transition three for Ellington. Go on a 9-0 run. We tie up the game. Lakers go on to win in a really electric overtime game. Then the Lakers don't play any LeBron at the five in the next game in that triple OT loss against Sacramento before returning to it against Detroit. And afterward, Frank Vogel alluded to that being something that they're going to take a longer look at. Mike, there's been a lot of discussion about AD at the five, but we've talked about it a bit less. I am thrilled about this development. I'm curious your thoughts on it and what you've heard from Vogel, from LeBron, from Russ. Several guys have kind of discussed what the the benefits are of this look. Yeah, it really started after the Indiana win just because it was so obvious that that was working well. And AD didn't play, so there was a sense that we actually got to look at it for an extended period of time. And it was the, let's see, all but two minutes of the fourth quarter and then the entire overtime that LeBron was there. And it's a reminder of how big LeBron is that he can hold up just fine as the defensive center where they weren't even really thinking about posting DeMontis Sabonis too much. And by the way, check out Sabonis' numbers against Minnesota last night. He had like 25 rebounds and 10 assists and uh, something insane. So this is a guy that can typically dominate inside. And LeBron is is uh, it, partly because of who he is. I think teams aren't aren't wanting to attack him, even if they could find some level of success. And then it's also tiring for those bigs to have to guard LeBron on the other end and have to just be worried about, okay, when we go down on defense now, instead of just doing what I'm used to be doing, I have to go up and be isolated against LeBron James, even if this isn't the LeBron James that's just going to immediately blow by um, every time. So that's just a little bit of the setting. 
And after that, you know, there's going to be some more questions. I asked LeBron about it in the walk-off interview. Uh, Other people asked LeBron about it post-game. Then Frank gets asked about it. And I'm sure when they watch the film, then here's this long section of time where we can evaluate uh, what it looked like. And clearly it went well. So then prior to the previous game, Pete, Vogel specifically mentioned uh, that he was going to – actually, was it prior or post? Maybe both he kind of addressed it. And we saw that he – he decided he wasn't going to use Dwight Howard that night. He was going to go to the one big, and then that was going to give some more minutes for LeBron to be in that spot. And once again, it works pretty well. So Darius, this is, it's kind of a, a simple concept in the NBA where something works on the floor, they discuss it and then make a change to lean in more towards it because of the success. And hopefully they stick with it now and give it some time to keep breathing and, and, you know, don't go back to the previous using both bigs situation. So here's the thing. This isn't new for the Lakers even this season. LeBron did this in the Lakers championship season. He did it against the Clippers. He did it against the Bucks. Those teams go small. They play power forwards at center for extended minutes. Now, Giannis isn't a power forward. He's a Giannis. He is, right. a, he is yeah. a one of one, mm-hmm. just like LeBron. You can't classify LeBron. LeBron's a one of one. And so when you're built like Carl Malone, but play a game that is similar to some hybrid of Magic Johnson and Dr. J, then you are impossible to deal with. And that's why LeBron's one of the greatest handful of players ever. At this stage of his career, Pete, he is not what he was athletically. He is as good as he will ever be mentally. And he is all of this craft. There's a craftiness to his game now that is, wasn't there six, seven, eight years ago. And so the thing about LeBron is that he is so smart now that He understands all of the nuances of every type of coverage that he is going to see on both sides of the ball and can execute all kinds of different coverages, both offensively and defensively. And it's the defensive coverages thing that is super important to me with him as the five, because in that Mm -hmm. Pacers game, Pete, they dropped They did a ton of drop coverages with LeBron. Now, I know based off of our side conversations that playing in the drop coverage a bunch with LeBron is probably not what you would consider the ideal thing. But the fact that he can do it, the fact that he can do it is super important. It is. And it's something that so I love that you pointed that out, because that's when when Mike asked him about it in the walk off interview. That was the first thing LeBron brought up about what it means to play the five is I can call out defensive our defensive coverages. And that's how that's how basketball works. Your five in most circumstances is your defensive captain. He's the one saying, "Okay," and LeBron knows their playbook. This is a great way to leverage that mental dominance that you're talking about, D, is LeBron knows their playbook. He knows the coverage that beats the play that they're about to run. And in that five position, he's calling out to everybody. And they're kind of like, he's the general, he's the mastermind that's saying, you do this, you're icing this, you fight over the top of this and that. And the ability to run drops, I think is going to be fairly limited with him. But one of the things that was about that lineup was 
they couldn't they had difficulty with Sabonis and Turner being able to keep up on a foot speed level. And if Sabonis is the role man, because Turner's usually the pop guy, if Sabonis is the role guy, he's not a huge lob threat. And that's where I think LeBron is weakest in a drop coverage at that five position, is that he's like he's not getting a ton of lift when he jumps off of the ground these days, right? And and backpedaling and jumping to break up that lob over the top is requires that ability to put one foot in the ground or to do a little jump stop and Throw your hands up in the air so that you can, you know, get the best vertical leap possible. And that's difficult to do. But against a a rolling big that isn't a huge lob threat, that is something that can be done. And so it was very appropriate for that particular matchup. And so, Mike, I thought that was fascinating him bringing that up first of all of the things we talk so much about spacing shooting surround surrounding lebron and i think russ is really important in this dynamic too uh but the first thing he calls out is on the defensive end well the first time that i really became familiar with this concept was watching the cleveland and golden state games when eventually in those finals matchups both teams would go small and golden state played like that a lot that was one of the reasons they became who they were with draymond at the five but Cleveland would counter sometimes by playing Tristan Thompson, but other times in certain lineups, LeBron would be the guy that would be on that back line. And even if you just think about the the pivotal game when they actually won uh, the title in game seven, and it's LeBron who is just lurking. And anytime Steph, they would play way up on Steph and Clay, and so they would essentially give them a driving angle, and Steph and Clay mm-hmm. would put the ball on the floor, take a dribble, but they'd be looking up just waiting for LeBron to to come over and basically erase anything that they could do at the rim. And the thing about that style though, that is incredibly taxing to be able to do that for a whole game. And that I think is the larger argument here that Frank Vogel has been talking about and trying to figure out a little bit. You could even extend to our whole conversation in general about playing small versus playing big and how much it requires physically for the guys that are not the typical big who's going to be anchored close to the rim to ask them to just constantly fly over and protect the paint and get off their guy, go look what else is going on. Like mentally, physically, for somebody at LeBron's stage and stature, that is my question kind of back to you about it, is what is the optimized number of minutes that they do this in? Who are the guys that should be out there with him? How often he should be actually asked? As a, to sort of call out coverages as opposed to be a guy that's coming over to erase stuff at the rim and in all of that. I think it's important to point out the part of the game that this happens at. This is not, we're not talking about starting LeBron at the five, although I think in playoff series, when it becomes matchup based, like, hey, we, AD is a weapon to be deployed and every different team presents a different challenge, uh, whether it's Steph Curry or whether it's DeAndre Ayton or uh, Kawhi Leonard or, you know, a wing. AD is in a playoff series going to be deployed to one of your bigger problems, even if you put him on the weakest guy so he could be a help defender, right? So, but from LeBron's perspective, he can be the guy calling out those coverages. But in the regular season, we're not talking about that, D. We're talking about start of the second quarter, start of the fourth quarter. One of the things that I think bridges that idea, Mike, of we are an old team that needs to play fast and the idea of all these guys sprinting their asses off for 82 games and into the playoffs just so we can be good. It's just not tenable. I think there are things that can be done. I think you can broaden your your rotation. I think we've got some young like I've been championing Shawnee Brown, right, as a guy that can help run. But that aside, for now, we're just talking that second quarter. D. And I think what bridges those ideas is if you pick, we're going to be super fast for 
five minutes in the second quarter and for five minutes in the fourth quarter or six minutes, right? 10 to 12 minutes a game. We're going to put this speed lineup out there where even if you do make, we're attacking up the sidelines. We've got ball handlers at every position and we've got shooters that can take advantage of the looks that are created by LeBron and going small and all of that space. Let's take a quick break. I want to hear your thoughts on the part of the game that that'll be applied to. Lakers basketball is finally back. And there's no need to exhaust yourself by searching all over the internet to find Lakers tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site. And the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices on the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. I'm excited to see this Lakers squad get out and transition this year, and there's nothing like seeing a great fast-breaking team in person. Visit TickPick.com LFR today and use promo code LFR to save $10 on your first order of Lakers tickets. Are you looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic? Why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip and get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code FILMROOM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code FILMROOM. So, D, LeBron at the five, starting in the second and fourth quarter. What are your thoughts? Forget the part of the game. Sorry. I'm like, I understand. <laughs> no, 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 no. Take it where you want to go. Yeah. No, because it's, I think the part of the game is important. I also think that the part of the game does not matter at all because this lineup is specifically a signal to the other team. And sorry, the E4 explicit. Come fuck with us now. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you have to do, you have to feel comfortable saying, Whoever is your fifth dude, your biggest dude, the dude, like, he has to guard someone. That's right. Right? Now, can that dude guard LeBron James? No, he can't. Okay, well, who on the floor can he guard? Right? And so there was a possession where they were trying to play Miles Turner and Sabonis for a little bit there, and they were just like, okay, Miles Turner, you get to go guard Russell Westbrook. That didn't last very long either, right? And so as you start to check off the boxes of who a guy can and cannot capably defend for even a part of a possession, then you have to fall on someone who has to defend somewhere on on the court. And this is where it comes into like, who is he playing with? Okay, well, can that big dude card Carmelo Anthony? Maybe, right? He can but, maybe guard him in a one-on-one, but closing out to Melo at the three-point line, he's not going to get but there. spacing yeah. to the corner, and mm-hmm. now it's just like, okay, five out. It's just like, well, in this lineup, can he guard Russell Westbrook? Well, probably not. All right, so who else is on the floor? Well, there's Malik Monk over there. 
yeah, probably not Malik Monk either, right? And so you start to run out of options very quickly. And that's why the part of the game is important because this is where there's sort of a transition point in the game anyway. And teams are naturally playing smaller. They're playing lesser defensive lineups because you are now in full-on bench units where maybe you have one starter. If you're a deep enough team, you have two. Or if you're not necessarily a deep enough team, then you have two starters, Mm -hmm. right? And so now it's sort of just like, okay, well, you're one starter. Who is that dude? Is that dude the point guard? Is he is he the shooting guard? Is he the power forward? And the five is rarely like a Jonas Valanciunas or Steven Adams type. No, at that those point of the start, game, right? Those guys yes. start the games. This guy is most likely going to be Frank Kaminsky. Or let's let's talk about the Suns. It might be JaVale, JaVale McGee. JaVale. Right? And so JaVale wouldn't be able to play in a against a LeBron. So five JaVale, line. you've got LeBron. <laughs> right. Go make it work. Or JaVale, you've got Russell Westbrook because now we have to put Cam Thomas on LeBron. Cam Johnson. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Yes. Johnson. So, Mike, the interesting thing to me, and it's why I think Vogel has so quickly gone from, hey, I'm not sure if we want to tax LeBron doing this very often to, yeah, I think I want to give this a longer look, right? Because Vogel's not dumb. He knows the part of the game he wants to do it. He knows how other teams are likely going to be aligned during that time. And he also sees on tape the animation that LeBron is basically forced to play with, with this group, right? There is no hiding when you are the biggest dude on on the court and you have to play effectively the center position. You have too much defensive responsibility. And LeBron, I feel like the challenge... The challenging of LeBron isn't is no longer the point of go take out the other team's best wing, right? That used to be LeBron's job. Now it's just like, hey, you got to be in the center of the frame in the same way that we've talked about Anthony Davis so so much. Like you have to be engaged all of the time because the LeBron we've seen this year, that guy has sort of been like, oh, well. You want me to be sort of a stretch power forward and sort of hang out here with like two bigs on the court, right? Uh, I'll do that and I'll just sort of camp around and do whatever I want and maybe I'll help here and maybe I won't. Oh, my teammate made the mistake? I'll, I'll point at that guy. Yeah, look at the mistake you made, right? Like he's been doing plenty. Look, sure. real talk. He's been doing plenty of that this season and he's in year 19. He's played... A bazillion minutes. Like, I don't begrudge LeBron James for taking the approaches that he takes when it impacts winning, right, negatively or this other stuff. We'll call that stuff out. But big picture, now raise up the asks and tell him, come to meet it. You're LeBron James, right? The dude who we crown? You're the dude doing the silencer celebration? Like, you're that dude. Bring it. And I feel like that challenge I feel like he's going to want to meet that challenge. But what's your sense of that, Mike? Yeah, part of this part of this also, I think, is going to be impacted by what happens with Bradley. Uh, and we found out the morning uh, that we're recording this that Avery is going to be out at least for tonight's game. We'll see. He's going to get reevaluated with thumb injury. Um, and how does that impact the lineup? Like, does that does Frank go to THT with the starters because of defensive purposes again? 
does he try out one of the groups with a shooter, whether it's Monk, who's often close games with that, with that, um, the big three plus like Mello or whoever, or does he try Ellington? Because there's been some good two man stuff with Ellington and LeBron. Like there's a lot there, I think that uh, that are going to be interesting of things that are going to be interesting, and that then can dictate how much you go to this LeBron lineup and then how much he has in the tank. There's just Guys, there's so many unknowns still, which is, I think, part of the frustrating part of getting to December. And we just talked to Trevor Ariza yesterday for 15 minutes Mm -hmm. following practice. And he's got all of these concepts in his head about how what he can come in and do because he's a unique player that they need and does some of the stuff in theory that Darius just mentioned about LeBron. And what he used to do as defending the best guy in the perimeter. Okay, well, if if Ariza can do that, then does – so I'm – Darius, I don't mean to be skirting your actual question. It no, just no, no. it just sparked 15 other ones for me with what the roster breakdown mm-hmm. is going to be. And and so maybe maybe Pete would have a direct answer uh, to what you were saying as my mind was wandering as to Laker lineup combos and rotations. Oh, I rarely have a direct answer. I can't make any promises there. But I do think that who you put around LeBron at the five is especially important. Um, and that putting LeBron in the center of the frame defensively there are a couple of ways you can go about doing that. And there's one version like the drop coverage version that we were talking about against Indiana. That's a high energy expenditure type of defense. That lineup can switch more. It can also, it really depends on who's on the court with him, right? And so I think THT is a, a an interesting figure within this, as is Russell Westbrook. When we've been starting that second quarter and fourth quarter with those LeBron five groups, Russ has started in those groups with him, which I think is a big part of pushing the pace with this team. Our wonderful producer, Jeannie, found a stat that we have three of the six slowest players by miles per hour averaged per game in the league in LeBron, AD, and Carmelo Anthony. And I think that putting LeBron in that place is both like he can capitalize on his want to do that, but he can also join them because when LeBron wants to play fast, he is still a freight train, right? It's just he's more selective about when he tries to do that. So the question then becomes, what do you need to put around LeBron at the five to make this work on the defensive end? We've talked a lot already about uh, offense and about how the uh, you know the spacing and multiple ball handlers, you can get a lot of good shots. And we've seen that with this group. Their offensive ratings are very high. I also think that defensively, there are a few things that, that we can do. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll get into that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So one of the bits of reticence, aside from the energy that it takes from LeBron is you are small now when you've got a group like that. You're going to give up shots at the rim or if you are, let me put it this way, if you are giving up shots at the rim, you have much less of a chance of blocking it or contesting it in a way that forces a miss. And so for me, D, that switches the defensive concepts into let's reduce the amount of times that they get to the rim in the first place. And if you're going small, you have to make up for that at other positions. And I think we're uniquely positioned with Russ and THT in particular as two big power guard or power ball handler types that can switch, that can win some physical battles that you lose when you go to a centerless lineup as Vogel as, as, as Vogel calls it. What are your thoughts on the defense and, and kind of what needs to be around LeBron for that to work? So... This is Darius isn't going to answer Pete's question podcast. I think sure. because I think that defense, it matters to a certain extent. So I do think that THT, that having that sort of strength and versatility, like on the wing, like THT can guard twos and threes. Russ can probably effectively guard one ones, twos and threes. Like if he's put in that position, like those are all guys where physically he can hang beyond that though. It's just like, Carmelo Anthony is going to be a limited defender. Like I know that he's showing like a competitive fire, but he's mostly going to be comfortable guarding either a stretch four or even like leveling up a little bit and guarding like a bigger, almost like a Sabonis type of dude, but maybe someone who's not as refined as Sabonis. Sabonis is an all-star guy. You don't necessarily want him defending him. But maybe not someone that's as fast, somebody who can kind of hang within the because he's he's big. He can win some physical battles around yeah. the rim that aren't necessarily athleticism based, but more on the ground strength based battles. Yeah, but oh, like oh, like I'm six eight, I'm two forty or whatever. He's got good hands. Yeah, yeah, like I can rebound, I can do some things. Right, I. But the reason why I said I wasn't going to answer your question is because I actually think that the lineups that Vogel's very likely to go to most are like offense ones. Right. So it looks like, yeah, Carmelo, Russ. And then after that, you know what sounds good? A little pairing of Monk and Ellington. Yeah. Three shooters, LeBron and Russ. Let's go. That's the formula to me. And so I'm per cleaning the glass, Pete, like I just brought these these numbers up and these filter out garbage time possessions. But they account for 18 possessions of the Westbrook, Monk, Ellington, LeBron, Carmelo group. Right. And 
that group has an offensive rating of 166. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> and a defensive rating of 100. Now, that's 18 possessions. That's not very long, mm-hmm. right? So that's basically a little bit less than a quarter of a game. Like the Lakers play at a pace of about 100 possessions a game, right? And so if they've played almost 20 possessions, that's like uh, two overtimes. That group, though, that's a keep up with this group. It's the group. It's the that's type right. of idea that I mentioned before, right? Like, okay, we're totally dictating the terms of engagement here based off of the offensive looks that we're going to. And that's why I'm almost less concerned about defense because this is a, I don't know if you've ever watched like the 50 meter, like sprint in like swimming where it's just like, Oh my God, like these people, it's only one time up the pool like at the Olympics and they dive in and the current and the wave that these athletes are it's on and creating. Yep. It, yeah. it is ridiculous, but it's an all out sprint. And that's what that sort of lineup is. It's like, keep up with us. We're not going to do this for a long time. So keep up. And if you can good, but we're going to score. I love that too, because that's, only in these little, you know, concentrated bursts, right? Like that 50 meters, that's a really important analogy is to, we're going to pick this small part of the game to do this. I also think that we've got different versions of this lineup where that's the all scorers, all shooters type of lineup, Mike. But this is something that Trevor Ariza could fill in for the Carmelo Anthony role if you want a little more defense and a little less shooting, but still some capable 3 and D type, the D and 3 type of guy as opposed to the 3 and D type of guy that, that Melo would be, right? It's something that if you want one fewer shooter and one more physical ball handler type. You could have THT in for either Monk or Ellington, right? I actually think Monk is especially good with this group. But one of the things I'm excited about with this is that we can present a couple of different looks by just tweaking a a role player here and there. And I'm really excited to see the direction that Vogel goes in with that. You have, I know you have concerns though about the ability to protect the rim. So explain to us like when you worry about this lineup, what do you worry about in that respect? It's kind of just the the long-term impact of LeBron. But I think you guys have explained pretty well that there, there are ways to deal with that. You know, and especially this, the times on the court that he's going to be playing in that role are not always going to be the times when the other team has their, you know, their strongest rim attack and some of the strongest players that are just looking to do that. So I'm, it's not that big of a concern. It's more of just a, a LeBron in general concern about how he gets through the regular season and but i i'm like you am advocating for this in the first place so the concerns would be less less direct it's just that if ad like in the lineups where i'd be worried about it ad is going to be on the floor anyway Mm -hmm. and and like if you don't have ad then that's a whole different conversation and you're not gonna i don't think then you can get away with you know playing lebron at center um for the majority of minutes so i'm i'm actually pretty good with it, Pete, I'm I'm just more interested in how Vogel decides to use the players around him, which is there's just more to think about with this team because you don't have those guys that you can feel good about on both sides of the court. And that requires a lot more thought and a lot more planning and a lot more. Yes. OK, well, you switch, but you don't switch on this guy, you know. And that, mm-hmm. that, I just think it's harder. I just think it's a harder challenge for the coaches. It, it is a much harder challenge, right? When you've got this many vet men guys, you've got a lot of guys with weaknesses that have to be accounted for. And that's something that even within this lineup, one thing that I noticed in the Detroit game and that I think is going to be important is 
I view us as having four different lineups. This is something I'd love to do a whole pod on is we've got our starters, we've got our Russ and AD groups, our LeBron at the five group now, and then our best five, which is usually our closing five. I think our starters and our best five are still up in the air right now. And those are the two most important groups. But I I see a lot coalescing in that middle part of the game, the Russ and AD groups, the LeBron at the five groups that I'm really optimistic and excited about. But what I think is a fundamental truth about this team that it speaks to the idea of having this many vet men guys that you have to be like, uh, you can do that. But if I ask you to do this other thing, that's a really bad idea is that certain guys are going to fit. Like when I talk about the starters, the starters generally play more responsible adult style basketball, right? It's not that flying up and down type of group. It is when you've got bigger lineups from opponents out there. It's just a different style of play. Avery Bradley came into the game when we played the Pistons with LeBron at the five. And there were like a couple rotations where the ball gets swung to Avery and Avery's the one with the open-ish in rhythm three that if that's Wayne Ellington shooting that or Malik Malik Monk shooting that, you feel great. Avery Bradley's going to be hit and miss. And anyway, that group with Bradley in it in particular did not not work very well. Dee, do you see like certain guys that don't fit this, certain guys that we should avoid on this roster alongside LeBron at the five? Not necessarily. You know, Bradley's probably the most extreme version of that. Like, I could make arguments for Mello, Ariza, none. We haven't even seen those those guys play, but I could, like, forecast a role for them there. I think Reeves could be an important sort of, like, um connector type of player between, like, higher usage guys. The thing that we haven't really touched on at all in this is how much this sort of alignment benefits Russell Westbrook, particularly offensively. Mm -hmm. Russ is just going to see, like, this is a pure five-out lineup. The Lakers did run some creative sets doing this. They put Braun at the elbow, and they utilized his passing. He he looked a little bit like Jokic out there with with some of these passes that, that he was flinging around. But this creates driving lanes for Russ um very similar to what he had after Houston traded Capella it's sort of you create that sort of an alignment yeah. for him and Braun is an even more of a real spacer even way more so than like Anthony Davis right like AD can be a stretch 5 but like Vogel still positions him and AD's natural inclination is still to play 20 feet and in. And LeBron's at the stage of his career where he's comfortable going out to 30 or 35 feet to shoot. And there is just a different level that comes to that, especially when you're a passer the way that LeBron is and a driver like AD is still a big man. And LeBron is not. He is a wing who is built like Carl Malone right? He's not Carl Malone who plays like a wing. So there's there's a difference there. And maybe it's a subtle line, but that's where I see sort of like, like, oh, let's optimize Russ. That's still a thing that the Lakers need to be very sort of hyper-focused on in specific lineups. And the chemistry with AD looks good, just like you said. But this stuff with LeBron, I think it, this is a place to leverage that more. Leveraging LeBron minutes was just as, as simple as looking at the the box plus minus, and it's just been weird. Some of these games where LeBron hasn't been high in the plus minus, we're just never used to be seeing that, but that did go back to normal against Detroit where LeBron led the team plus minus by a lot, by a healthy amount, like at plus 14. And so I, to return to my ever consistent point that this season is still more about LeBron and AD and how, and how they're playing 
And I get that the guys that we focused a lot of the guys that fit around him and what the lineups and what the rotations are. But LeBron playing well can make any lineup look good. And and I think that that we're hopefully going to keep getting closer to that point where he's ramping up. He said in, in the walk off, because remember when he ran into uh, who was it that he ran into the rim? It might have been Trey Lyles. I think it was Lyles. Yeah. And he and, grabbed his side. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't like that hard of a collision, but you could just see the way that it positioned his body. And he and he sort of acknowledged he's like, yeah, it's my you know third game back and it's not feeling great yet, but it didn't linger. And it's fine. Like I'm playing on Tuesday. So I, I'm just I'm really I'm trying to be patient in understanding the, what what it's going to take to get LeBron through this stage. But there we're going to need to see moments at least. And whether it's in his at the five lineup or or more often not where he just starts to dominate and he gets past this guy and exposed to the rim through traffic, you know, not just kind of on a breakaway. And if those moments if we're another month down the road and we've seen less of those moments, then there's going to be the more concern. cause for concern, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's just that there that's the thing to me that is still outweighs all of the rest of the of this. But you know, maybe Pete by by finding there's a bit of a transition stage here, if you think about his next years after this. Maybe right. by finding some of these pockets and moments where you can u- utilize the 75 different skills that he has if we're not going to see as much of that dominating thing. And maybe they need to work on those more um, and and sort of find ways to have Russ have a couple of those moments or AD, specifically AD, have more of those dominating physical moments. Uh, and I, again, I, I don't think we're there yet. I'm not, I'm just sort of, I'm thinking big picture that if we keep seeing things look as they look for LeBron, then then maybe these lineup type things are, are going to be even more important than I'm giving credit for right now. Yeah, that may be the case. We're still in... Answer finding mode. That's going to be the first half of the season. The crazy part is, guys, it, we're recording this before we're playing the Kings on the road tonight. We're a half game out of the four seed after everything, right? If we could start getting more and more of those answers and more and more of those things clicking into place, we'll you'll see us move up the standings. And I think that that more often than not is a matter of time and a, a willingness to adapt and try new things like LeBron at the five. Yeah, just a quick point there. Like, uh, as as league pass junkies, right? We watched the Mavericks loss again last night, and the Clippers lost again last night, and Denver finally broke a long winning streak. The Blazers have lost three in a row. You know, uh, Utah just recently lost three in a row. So t- other teams have problems too this year. Yeah, there is other than the Sun- other than Phoenix and the Suns. Yeah, no, yeah. Mike, the Warriors and the Suns. The Phoenix and the Warriors, are, I should say. Yeah, yeah, the Warriors and the Suns. They are showing that they look to be the class of the conference, but the Lakers are in fact-finding mode, just like you said, Pete. And there have not been a lot of facts that have been found through 22 games, but they are starting to uncover more and more rocks. And I think that as they do that exploring, they are going to hopefully find some some hidden gems here that maybe if you were looking a certain direction the whole time, you might have seen this stuff, but that's a whole other pot. It's frustrating, but it's also encouraging at the Amen. same time. The, the point is that like this is a whole process of like figuring out what works and what doesn't. And so the fact that going through that process and getting some things wrong and no matter what path we chose at the beginning, we were going to get a lot of things wrong because there's so much new and there's so many holes and weaknesses to be like, oh, you can do that, but you can't do this, this and that. Right. Like there's always going to be failure at the beginning of this. And it's a natural part of this process. But the willingness to adapt. And to me, this is a huge 
huge philosophical shift to be like, oh, we're going to do this on purpose. We've done it a couple of times, like you said, but this is going to be like a thing that we do. This is part of who we are. That's a big thing. And for that to happen 22 games into the season or wherever we're at, that's, that's huge. And I think that from LeBron's perspective, it's the natural conclusion to his career is him dominating as a big man, the player who's dominated at every other position in the league and has also certainly dominated in spurts at at the five spot, especially deep in the playoffs, like Mike was talking about earlier. But him becoming one of the great big men in the NBA, I think, is a natural conclusion to really an unprecedented career. I'm really excited to see how this develops. we got the Kings tonight up in Sacramento. We'll be back tomorrow to cover it here on the Laker Film Room Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Rebound is lying. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, two, one. Miss it. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.